A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings everywhere. Today's episode is on mindful eating. And I use that term not as a person who has practiced mindful eating in the Zen Buddhist tradition, but more in the sense of what mind, mindful means in general, which is to bring awareness to. And I get a lot of questions about eating and nutrition. So first I want to, uh, full disclosure, reveal I'm not a nutritionist by any means. I've studied nutrition a lot because I've just been interested in it. And I've been interested in the science of it for my own health, for the health of my children, especially when I became vegan um, almost 18 years ago. But um, I also have a cafe at my studio and I have gone and become a natural food chef. So I've done a lot of reading and I'm also a holistic health coach as well. And so through the reading and just the entire um, interest in it, the system is that uh, my, it's coming from my experience and from what I can speak to. So I'm, I'm not saying this is going to be um, the end-all be-all by any means, and I'm not saying what I'm going to suggest is right for everybody. It's just more things to consider. What I will say is that mindful eating is really practicing what we practice on our yoga mat and practice in our movement practice, which is just to bring more awareness and more alignment into our choices that we make. So when I ask some of the questions that I've been asked, I try to consolidate or when I answer some of the questions I've been asked, I try to consolidate into a few questions. Um, those um, twenty different questions about eating, and and bring it all into a place from mindfulness. And so I pick the ones that people have written me that I think would be generally helpful for people. So when a person asked me what I considered my daily food essential, and then they also ask how much water should one drink in a day? 
and what my opinions are on an anti-inflammatory diet. Okay, so first of all, what is the daily food essential? Well, for me, daily food essential, um, I'll, I'll talk about nutrition first and then I'll talk about uh, how to eat stuff. That's, you know, so one is what you're, what you're actually eating from a nutritional standpoint and then how you should be eating it and where you should be eating it and that kind of mindfulness aspect. But daily food essentials have a lot to do with, you know, what I would consider what I want to in, ingest every day. And that includes water. I want to put water in that category because I try to hydrate as much as possible, drink as much water as possible. And that might be something that everybody's going to have to figure out what works best for your individual self in terms of how you monitor that. For me, I have a really large water bottle and I I try and fill it three times during the day. I think it's about 48 ounces of water. So I don't always get to three and sometimes I only get to two. But I notice when I don't drink enough for sure. And I think that it has such an impact on the way I feel. And it definitely has an impact on what I eat and when I eat or what I eat. Um, So I don't feel as energized when I don't hydrate enough. So what I'll say in terms of nutrition and mindful eating is that when you find yourself being hungry at random times and there's not a really good reason, meaning you've eaten the last few hours, you don't have low, low blood sugar, which again, do you really have low blood sugar or you've just been telling yourself that? And I really mean that without being snarky because I feel that that, that we kind of overdiagnose ourselves. And this idea that people, there are people who truly have hypoglycemia and diabetes and people who have sugar resistance, but um, there's a lot of people who aren't, who aren't actually having, don't have an issue with blood sugar and think they have to eat. I think people feel hungry and are uncomfortable with that feeling. And that might make them angry or something. And then there becomes a story about like, oh, I need sugar. So I don't think everybody, I think the point is that if you get into that mindset where you feel like oh, you have low blood sugar, maybe try drinking water and see if that actually is what was really coming up for you. Because when you're feeling hungry and there's not a real reason you should be hungry, then it might be that it's just a habit and habit is not being mindful. So a habit by nature is something that we do that becomes automatic and there's lots of good habits, but then we can have some that are not great and some that are, there are ways of being less driven by habit, being automatic, that we need to actually examine. And that's where we bring in mindfulness. So the first thing I would say for daily food essentials is actually about drinking water. Because I think if I, if you drink, if I drink enough water, it really helps out with the food essential. The food essentials that I that are part of my daily must, uh, I think, really have to do with some kind of greens every day. And I'm one of those really boring people that can eat the same kale salad every single day or same green salad every day. I say kale salad because I get one in a, uh, in a macro bowl form from the cafe at my, my studio. It's called Contemplate Kitchen. And it's wonderful. And they it's always... A macro bowl includes a green, it includes some fermented food, it includes a grain and a protein. And if I could have a macro bowl every day, that would be my essential thing. And macro bowls are great because they're super, super easy. I'm, again, really on the go quite a bit, so having something that is already put together for me makes it easier. Uh, I don't like to use the word busy, but you know, if I my day is full, my plate is metaphorically full. So if if, at least, if I have some options, 
where it feels as healthy as it would be as eating at home, that's what I'm going to call a food essential. So I'll have a macro bowl or I get a um, kale salad from a local co-op. So I just say green, something that I absolutely have to have. And if you're not a greens person, you just might become one. Don't give up on it. I've seen a lot of people who really who really talk about that they're not, they don't really love greens or their kids don't love greens. And I just would say, don't give up on it. Don't force yourself to have something, but be open-minded and maybe experiment every once in a while. But if you find one kind of greens that you like, say you really like kale or you really don't like kale, but you really like spinach or you like mixed greens, like stick to that one. And, and But know that maybe as you experiment, you, your taste buds might change. Okay, so in answer to that question, I'd say I lots of water and greens are my definitely like go-to. And they're, I don't want to say they're non-negotiable, but they're pretty much part of my, my, my essentials. And I, I feel really good and energetic when I have that in my life. What are my opinions about an anti-inflammatory diet? Um, I don't know everything there is to know about an anti-inflammatory diet, but I will say that I think there's been enough research that says that foods definitely have impact impact systemically. And 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 foods can be very inflammatory. They can cause a lot of GI issues. That's, I could really go down a big rabbit hole with that. But for instance, if you know um, you had a lot of antibiotics as a kid, you might, that your GI issues, your gut issues might have a, a, um, be because of that. Your whole gut flora could be really messed up. And so I do think the gut biome is super, super important. If you're somebody that has a lot of inflammation systemically, not just in the gut, but definitely in the gut and the digestive tract, then you should um, get your gut biome figured out. And especially if you do know there's been some causative, some um, correlative, correlative factors, like you had a lot of antibiotics as a kid or even more recently. Because if you've been on antibiotics for any long period of time or repetitive period of times, it, it's been known to um, affect your gut. Uh, and that... So I think that's one thing that can cause inflammation and like leaky gut syndrome and irritable bowel syndrome and whatnot. And then the other thing can be certain types of food are inflammatory. Acidic foods are going to be inflaming. And I think there's just enough evidence to support that. Acidic foods, all all animal products, by the way, are are acidic. So that's one reason to become vegan (laughs) um, among many. It's, but if you really, you can also have a really unhealthy vegan diet. So it's not to say that vegan is going to be healthy just because it's vegan, but just know that animal products are going to have acidity in there. So you're already starting a little bit with an uphill battle if you're trying to have an anti-inflammatory diet. I think eating whole foods as close to the natural form and that, that don't cause your gut any particular problems are going to be um, the best best kind of part of, a, of an anti-inflammatory diet. And I would say for people who are starting on the path of whole foods and spe- specifically whole foods in plant-based form is you have to go at it gradually. I've seen people who've gotten really gung-ho and then after a couple of weeks, they say, oh my gosh, Laura, I'm so bloated and gassy. And lo and behold, they're upping their bean and lentil portions by significant amount. And their body has just not gotten used to breaking that down. So you have to proceed with caution with anything that you are starting off that's new. 
so that you can set up your body for success, for having a a good response instead of not a good reaction. So in general, I would say the the anti-inflammatory diet is really good to look at for sure. There's a lot of really great research that's being done on the gut biome and on systemic inflammation and how your diet plays a big part in that. I'll also add that calorie restriction and intermittent fasting, which is becoming very trendy, both of these can give your body a needed rest from um, just having stuff in it all the time. Having food in our digestive system is is really like an energetic load. And so calorie restriction, it's a little different than intermittent fasting, but what has been shown is that people who restrict their calories, and I'm not talking like any kind of eating disorder restriction of calories, I'm talking about based on the normal American or, or European or Western diet, that we're just eating too many calories. We're eating too much stuff. And there's more of an issue of eating too much than too little. But again, I'm going to put a big, big asterisk and big caveat here that that I'm not talking about an eating disorder. That's a very, very different issue and a different conversation. And there's a whole different reason people go down that path. But calorie restriction is a conscious, mindful way of, of taking charge of your health for the purpose of your health not for the purpose of losing weight or anything like that, but really giving your engine um, an opportunity to restore and um, have some times like where it's pausing and not working all the time. And this might be a good way to path, you know, a good path into talking about mindfulness, where mindfulness really comes in. Like what is the perf- what's the purpose of, of eating? mindfulness really comes in and and we have to shine the flashlight inside and be like, why are we eating? Why are we eating when we're not hungry? And I think that's, uh, I did get a lot of questions about it and about binge eating and um, mindful eating and intuitive eating. And and the first thing is figuring out why we're eating when we're not, when we're not hungry. And there's this huge factor with overeating is just not being mindful and eating when you're not even hungry. So you're eating for a different reason. So let's launch into that. I've talked a little, I've talked a little bit about um, intermittent fasting and I, and about the inflammatory diet, but intermittent fasting is interesting to me because I have been doing this for a while without calling it that. Um, Intermittent fasting to me is just intuitive eating. So intermittent fasting for all, for those of you who are not familiar with it is this idea that you can take time off. You can have these periods of fasting where you're not eating. Your digestive system has getting some time off from constantly breaking down food and metabolizing and getting rid of toxins and taking in nutrients and eliminating. And there's a lot that's going on. So with intermittent fasting, you're giving your your entire digestive system support by giving it a rest. And, and in that rest, it's getting restored. restored. And so the energy can go into other things like healing other sources. So I think what intermittent fasting does more than anything is it really helps you reset and reestablish when you're actually hungry. So again, I don't call it intermittent fasting. What I was doing, I called it intuitive eating. I've been doing it for a while and I just started tuning in in a big way to when I was actually hungry. And so what I noticed is I would, and this was years ago, I would notice I would wake up and I wasn't hungry. And then I, then I would make myself something to eat because, you know, I'd heard like, you're supposed to have breakfast and 
you know, it's the most important meal of the day and all this. And I would eat, but I just wasn't hungry. And it just actually often would make me, make me feel more sluggish. And so what I figure out for me is that I don't need to eat for quite some time. So I'm really doing intermittent fa- fasting practically every day. So I try personally to stop eating by about eight o'clock at night. And I usually go to bed around 11. Doesn't always happen that I stop at eight, but I like to have a couple of hours where my, I'm not eating before I go to bed. And then I wake up and I'll wake up uh, generally around 6.30 and I have black coffee. And that's something that I've always had because I like the taste of really good, strong coffee without anything in it. So I think technically if you have something in your coffee, like sugar for sure, but even some kind of almond milk or creamer or things that people are putting in collagen and all this stuff, that's not technically, um, you know, it's some kind of nutrient uh, that that is might not spike your sugar, but I think technically fasting, like I, I look at it this way, when you're asked to go to the doctor and get your blood work and they say you need to be fasting for at least eight hours. So like they'll tell you not to eat anything after midnight. And the only thing you can have in the morning is water or black coffee. So the reason for that is that anything else would have a potential effect on your glucose and maybe even your cholesterol. So I think that that is so true to me. Fasting would be something that isn't going to affect those two things. So anyway, I have black coffee in the morning and I might have one or two cups. And then I don't, I just eat when I'm first hungry. And sometimes that won't even be till noon. Now, I know some people who look at me and they're like, I can't believe you don't eat in the morning. And I would just perish. They, they're like, I'm going to pass out if I don't eat. And I, I, I think everybody is, this is where everybody is different. But I would, I would see, is it just a habit that you're eating and that you've like revved up your engines so that you're hungry every morning? Or could you put that, push that time back? I don't know. It's really a personal thing. But I know if I do eat something, in the morning. And I used to do this and I know moms can relate. Like my kids, we'd eat something. This is when they were littler. They wouldn't finish it. And then I would finish it, you know, because I was like, I don't want that to go to waste. So I was eating kind of almost out of guilt. Like I didn't want to waste their food, but I'm not going to stuff it down their face. (laughs) And then, but I wasn't even hungry and I was eating it. So I just would say that um, what worked for me is that I, I just have a lot more energy when I don't eat in the morning. And so I drink, I try and drink as much water as I can. And I have my one or two cups of coffee. And then I'm usually teaching or practicing. And I definitely like to practice on an empty stomach. Another thing a lot of people would be like, oh my gosh, I feel like I could never exercise or do anything without eating something first. And I would say, give it a try. It's just something you might want to consider because a lot of research has shown that it actually has a a, um, positive impact on, on optimizing performance. That again, this is a caveat. I'm not suggesting like everybody stop eating in the morning. I'm just saying that what we're trying to do with mindful eating, intuitive eating, is to tune into what our bodies need. And so, if you need something in the morning, you really feel like, from a fuel and energetic perspective, you absolutely need something or you couldn't function, then by all means, I would say eat. I don't relate to that because I'm not hungry in the morning at all. And, you know, occasionally if I'm not practicing, until maybe 1 1 p.m., I will always carry a piece of fruit or something with me. So if I feel like I need to have a little something to eat, I will. That's what works for me. And that's just my intuitive eating. And what I will say about intermittent fasting that could be really nice is it could reprogram you. 
I'm not an expert on this. Um, and I, I'm not an expert on people who have different sugar imbalances, but it really does reprogram you into literally listening to your body. And so what I would say is listen and say, are, when are you actually hungry? Because we've been kind of, whether it's a cultural thing or familial, we've been kind of conditioned to not feel hungry. And it's, it's weird to say that when we know that such a huge population of people are starving. It's, I, I can't even reconcile the fact that we have to talk about limiting our food when it feels very, like so much of this, this is a first world problem. So, but putting that aside and not feeling horrible about the situation because it is, you can't even wrap your head around it. Like we're worrying about how much we're eating and then there's so many people who would love to have that problem. So I have to put that out there because it bothers me tremendously to talk in a way as if everyone in the world can relate to this issue because I know they don't. And so I apologize if anyone is in that category. I don't at all mean to, to offend anyone saying like, this is something we have to work on is not eating so much. My goodness, my, um, I, you know, that's not, that, that's definitely not a problem that some people have, have to face. So those of us who have the fr- privilege of being able to worry about how much we eat, we do, we really should reset and figure out when we actually are hungry because we are conditioned to not really feel hungry. And I don't, and that's where we get into, I got a lot of questions and I get a lot of questions regularly about binge eating and eating when you're not hungry and eating for other reasons. And I, I don't know what it is exactly, but I think we don't want to feel hungry. It's something that's fear-provoking or uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's an evolutionary thing or I, I think it's it taps into something um, very subconscious. And I'm, there's, I'm sure, lots of theories on it. But I think when we... The intermittent fasting, what, what what it can do is help you reset and figure out when you're actually hungry and if you're actually waking up ravenous, or if you are, maybe sit with that for a little bit, drink some water and just feel your body, feel it like maybe it doesn't need to be immediately fed. Because again, I think it's an interesting state of being to feel that your body's giving you a signal and to feel that signal and not always be immediately eating food to to stop the signal of hunger. Because I think when we feel the signal of hunger, then we can also feel we we can distinguish it from other things. And that is it that is a way of of creating mindful eating. Literally looking at it like this. Nutrition is our food is our nutrition. It's our fuel for the body. And if we can figure out I'm actually hungry, it's time for me to eat and it's time for me to fuel myself and then figure out like I'm reaching for food, but I'm not feeling hungry. So what could this be about? So this sounds hokey, but look look at the next time you're eating, if it's coming from your fork or your spoon or your hands, whatever it is in your, what's coming into your mouth, look at it while you're in that moment, as you're bringing it to your mouth and then, and then chew on it with a good amount of chews, you know, you don't have to do a hundred, but maybe every time, but that would be really, really mindful eating, counting the chews and being aware of each one. But the practice of the true mindful eating practice is being really interested and curious about what you're eating, looking at it, bringing it into your mouth, you know, uh, the chewing exercise, of course, there's a lot of physio- physiological benefits to chewing your food. 
more because you're really preparing the breakdown of it. There's so many enzymes in your mouth and the saliva that are already starting the breaking it down before it even goes down into the digestive system. So again, if you feel like you're really gassy, you probably are one of those people that need to chew your food more and really break that using all the enzymes in your saliva to help break down the cellulose or things like that that might, or you're just eating too fast. All the things that could help you. But anyway, watch what you're eating. Literally watch it. Because what I will say is I think when we watch ourselves eating, it's harder to eat garbage that's not really good for us. And doesn't mean we're not going to do it every once in a while, but it's just, it isn't about being perfect. This is not about a diet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about being aware of the choices we make. It's about using food as a fuel and thinking of it that way, I think we'll make better choices. It's really hard to sit there and look at a big bag of um, processed chips or something and consciously take a handful and just stuff it in your face. And that's why I think we do it when we're absorbed with something else like watching TV or being in the car because we're not connected to it at all. It's the opposite of mindfulness. It's just bringing food into the mouth and feeling, you know, all these kind of satisfactions in the brain, the fat, the sugar, the whatever. Um, But we're not really experiencing food as fuel. We're not feeling it and tasting and enjoying it or even noticing it. So mindfulness is notice what you're eating. Again, it's not about being perfect, but think about what is, what's the purpose of the food? What is the purpose of this food? I think when we think about food, it's like how I encourage movement. There's not a lot of randomness in the movement choices that I make on the mat and in my teaching. And that doesn't mean that it's a a really rigid, restricted practice, but there is a discipline that we need to develop on the mat in our practice that's purpose behind it. Because there's so many things in our lives that seemingly lack purpose. And that is honestly what makes us generally, I think, unhappy. And, and because we don't feel purposeful, we lack it. We don't know it. It's, it's a, I, think, I think it's a subconscious level. If you take that and you just bring it out and layer it into everything you do, and there's a little bit more understanding and purpose in what you're eating or what you're drinking or how you schedule your time or who you schedule your time with, I think there's a lot of benefit of that. That's just mindfulness all the way around. And then it, of course, there will be um, natural, chaotic, unpurposeful freestyle parts of our life that'll happen. But everything kind of freeform can happen from structure. I really believe that. I, I'm not fully structured by any means. Um, if someone met me and, and they sometimes they, they're like, gosh, you're so lighthearted. I thought I would, I, I thought you'd be some kind of militant. <laughs> and I think it's maybe because when I, I have the appearance of order in my movement and my life, and I do get a lot of things done. It might seem like I run a tight ship, but I I don't run a tight ship. If you know me at all, you know that. I, I have um, a lot of discipline and structure so that I can also have a lot of freedom, fun, and fluidity. And I'm not saying those are polar opposites because there's a lot of fun in having structure. I think if you've ever raised a child or if you're raising children, if you've seen children, you know structure is fundamental for having fun because otherwise it's just chaos and, and not in a good way chaos. So mindful eating is really about having some discipline and purpose in what you're eating. And it's not going to be 24-7 every single day, but having some structure that you can have, you can kind of fly by the seat of your pants 
in some of your decision-making, like, oh, I want to have popcorn at the movies and, and not give yourself a hard time about it because it's just fun. But if you have those habits that have been kind of um, lacking mindfulness, this is what you need to start doing is paying attention to your eating, what you're eating, how you're eating it. People will ask me, you know, what I eat or how much I think of this. And I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers by any means. I don't, I don't think, I, I think that, that there's different um, ways for different people. I think there are people who really love this idea of kind of portions and need to measure it out. And it works really well, well for them. And that kind of um, Weight Watchers, I think, is the program where that, that's just an example of structure that can be very helpful for people. I, I wouldn't like that personally. It wouldn't work for me. But I think for people who have like generalized chaos around eating and don't feel mindful, this brings a whole level of mindfulness to it. A lot of that structure. It's like tidying it up for them. And so if you feel like you need a lot of tidying up and structure, you probably need to go to more discipline. And then that'll, that'll over time, become there'll be ease with that. And I've had people who have done that, where they come back to what um, to that when they need it, when they feel like they're kind of slipping away from and being less mindful, they're, they come back into their structure, back into kind of this feeling of tidiness and mindfulness. Because remember, being mindful is being clear. You can't really be mindful if your mind is cluttered. You can try to move toward mindfulness, but being mindful is the, is the attempt to really clear out the clutter. And when you clear out the clutter in your mind, you're going to make better decisions because your decisions are based on your actions and your actions are clear. So I hope this helps. This isn't about a diet. This is um, not about how much you should eat or how little should, should you eat. It's really about noticing your behavior and food because food is such a prevalent part of our lives. We have to have food to exist. But there's a lot of other reasons people eat food that have nothing to do with nutrition. So that's the stuff to examine. That's the stuff to really unpack. Why are you eating the way you're eating? So like I said, people have asked me, what you know, what do you want to what can you say about binge eating? Well, what I want to say is examine it. Why are you binging? That is going into a full non-mindfulness. It's like letting the train just go off and, and literally get derailed and you're watching the derailment, but you're not watching the, the, the kind of preventative measures. So there's this great, um, I think it's a Buddhist parable and it's about a thief. And I, and I think this, this can apply in so many ways to, but this really applies to mindfulness. So this thief, he would rob and rob and he would take stuff and, and, and he just felt, he always felt guilty about it. So he went to Buddha and you can insert priest or any kind of mentor um, figure. And he said, please, please, Buddha, help me stop stealing. I know it's bad. I know it's against my faith. I wasn't raised this way, but please help me. Just make me stop. And the Buddha said, well, I can't stop you from doing it. But what I'll ask you to do is the next time you go to steal, watch yourself. Watch yourself. And sure enough, the thief went and tried to steal something. And he literally observed his hand going toward what he was going to steal. And he could no longer steal it. And so the idea is that what we bring light to, we will change. And so that's the idea of mindfulness, I think, more than anything. 
is so if you're binging, bring light to it, shine on it. Don't be doing that in the dark. Don't be doing it in a closet. Don't be doing it on your own on a Saturday night. Don't be doing it in the middle of the night. Don't be opening up a cabinet and having a storage of food there that you know is there when no one else is around. Shine light on that mother effer. You know, really shine light on it. And because it's not serving you, bottom line, it's not serving you. So be mindful by watching yourself and observing. And so when you go to binge, first of all, I'd say, get any food out of your house that you know could be a trigger. And then the second thing is, if there was something in the house that you know is a trigger and you have it there anyway, and you're going for it, is watch yourself, watch your hand, watch your hand, bring it to your mouth. And as you're doing that, think, am I doing this because I'm hungry? Am I doing this because I'm sad? Am I bored? Am I angry? What is the reason? It might not stop you at that moment, but start to examine it and start to bring mindfulness to the reason that's making you binge, to the reason that's making you search for food when you aren't hungry. And then do the things you need to do. Drink water instead of searching for that. I don't drink a cup of coffee in the afternoon if you want to. I don't think that's bad. A cup of tea or coffee or anything like that, if it's not going to keep you up at night and disturb your sleep. But drink something, drink some water and kind of sit with it. Like what what are you reaching for and why? And then is there some other choice you could make to free the feeling? Because what you're really doing is kind of stuffing the feeling down. You're trying to numb it. We, we are all good at numbing feelings. And so why not instead free it? Go out in the yard and scream. <laughs> it sounds silly, but go and scream if you feel sad or angry. Go and move and, and feel like with your movement, put on great music, but feel like you're moving the stuff that is trying to be like the, you know, the thief and stealing your happiness, right? And just shine light and bring it up and move it on. And it's it could be it could take a while. I'm not saying this will be like a one-shot deal, but you first have to notice it. You first have to notice it and then watch yourself. And then be your biggest cheerleader. Like come on, I'm cheering for you. Be your biggest cheerleader. Like do I really want to give myself that right now? If it's not something that's really, you know, going to fuel me. And again, I'm not talking about perfection. We should all have, you know, eat the cake, blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking about, you know, when we're binging or snacking on things that are really not, not that great for us and that, that not eating mindfully. Ah, it's a lot here and I'm not at all an expert. So I'm just hoping that some of this landed for you. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, about eating mindfully and eating well. I just think that when we take care of ourselves, we need to know that discipline um, of self-care is the number one thing. It's the number one thing we should be doing. And that when we take care of ourselves by making better choices, by eating mindfully, by moving mindfully, we're actually going to be better for everyone around us. So I would love to hear from you about what um, you would like to, what, what you would like to add on this. If you have any comments about what I've said or please email me at movement at Lara, L-A-R-A, at movementbylara.com. I'd love to hear from you. So uh, let me know and let's 
share this with other people who might need it. I know a lot of people struggle with this. And um, this is, again, not tackling all the different areas around eating, which is there's eating disorders. I'm not at all tackling that because I'm not a specialist in that. I don't want to, but I, I, so I don't want to purport to be one. And I also, like I said, the big caveat is I know that this is not, this is a privilege to even have this discussion about mindful eating and being able to make choices because I know everyone doesn't get to. So sometimes that can help too. When we think about, we're so lucky to have, we're so, we're so fortunate to be able to make these choices. And so feel grateful for the food. Let it be your um, friend, not your enemy, and use it as a source of nutrition and fuel to make you feel your best. And I'll be pulling for you. Hugs from me to you. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.